step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
Now, let's join Holly Steffi and Red Velvet Media as we explore the inspirational worlds of music, media, and more. Welcome to the middle of the week. It's Wednesday, guys, and uh, this is Holly Steffi with Red Velvet Media, and we have a special show today with um, a very cool book um, that is out called Stolen Moments, which is the photography of Harold Sherrick, and Harold's got some amazing photos in this book and a lot of stories to go along with it, and uh, working on some pretty cool projects, and we're going to be talking about that today on the air. Um, if you'd like to call in, the number is 347-677-1036, and uh, I just wanted to let you know also the show will be available on iTunes afterwards and on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio, and with that, I'm going to bring Harold into the studio, and we are going to start talking, because we have a special guest calling in soon, too. Hey, Harold. Hey, Holly. <laughs> how are you? There you are. Great. Yes. I'm really great. I say, did you like that song that we opened up with? That was the song that you oh, wanted. Oh, I love that song. One of my faves. Do you? <laughs> yeah, why did you choose favorites. that song? What, 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 was, what was the reason why you chose that, that song? I, I don't that know. I, really, I don't know. I don't have any particular reason, but it's just one of the, uh, one, I think, one of the best things he's done, especially in that era of 1972 and three when he was Ziggy Stardust. And uh, just just a mm-hmm. great song, just a really great song. Yeah, no, it is. It's yeah. awesome. It's a really good song. Um, we're ending with another one of your favorite songs, which will be really cool, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But it's a really perfect ending for the show, as as you yeah. know. Um, yeah. So uh, I picked it as a closer. You know, I picked it as a great closer. Oh yeah, no, it's a perfect closer. It's a perfect closer, and for those of you that want to stick around, you'll have to stay around to hear it. It's a pretty cool song. Um, you know, your book is pretty amazing. You've got some really great shots in here, and uh, I love the forward in the book too, which uh, our mutual friend of ours actually wrote for you, who's going to be calling in soon. And we'll be talking to him too, and how you two know each other, and stuff like that. That's wonderful. But that's great. Yeah, no. Let's talk a little bit about your book and give your website out and stuff like that. Okay. What would you like so, to know? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I know you're working on some secret, secret, secret projects that you're going to be doing. They're releasing soon. Um. We'll be talking a little bit about that too. Let's talk about the photos and how you got into photography and about some of these iconic images that are in here. Um, yeah, I mean, photography was was uh, an interest of mine uh, since a since a very young age. Since my my father mm-hmm. was a newspaper man and, and working in L.A. at the Herald Examiner, and I used to go down with him to the. Uh, to the uh, office down there and uh, he let me run around through the newsroom and the uh, photographer's rooms, the press, you know, watching the press's role when the evening edition came out. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, black and white photography is what it was back back in those days. And I've always had a love for that. That caught my eye at a young age. And um, so I was basically hooked then. And I had a little brownie camera at home that I started just playing with and and taking pictures when my father would let me. And uh, (laughs) I tried to do Mm -hmm. some unusual things back then, not just your typical pictures. And uh, from then on, it was I was hooked. So was your dad really your mentor to really get into photography? You think he wasn't a photographer. He was, you know, he was a newspaper man in advertising and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I just, uh, I just, I just loved the whole business. I liked the um, the time factor on it when it was like putting out a, an edition every day. You know, you had to be there. The guys had to be there. Stuff had to be put in by a certain time to make the, you know, to to for the presses to roll. For yeah. The, yeah, deadline was the big thing back then, and uh, and then the edition would roll out and be on the stands at you know five o'clock in the evening or something, and uh, mm-hmm. and that made it a very exciting, you know, because stories would come in and on the evening or the late edition, which would come out after sometimes. Sometimes there would be a different headline or a different, you know, an added story that was breaking news at the time. So that made it very exciting, and um, and so and that's the way it was for years. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. So you got you did. to know Back what was happening days. in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In those days, it was much different than than today. You know, it's it's it was more oh, exciting yeah. then, and you know, you had to be on the phone or you had to witness something or, you know, if reports came in or something, and and reporters ran out on the street and ran to these places to cover these stories, and it just made it so, so exciting. You know, just uh, it was mm-hmm. all part of that that whole time period. And know, then the different, different era was there taking. Pictures. And a photographer yeah. would have to come out right away. <laughs> they would send a photographer out and and cover cover whatever it was, whether it's a, whether it was a sporting event or, you know, a crime mm-hmm. scene or, you know, or human mm-hmm. interest, you know, or so, that that just made it much more exciting. And you had to run back to the office then, and and the photographers had to take their film and get it processed and and printed, you know, within within an hour or two, you know, a couple, and to get something printed, I know, and, that's you know, crazy. put in fast, huh. very fast, you know. And, so, they, exciting and they didn't time. have digital cameras either then, so it's no, like no. the real that's deal, what I said, your you film, know? you had to, yeah, you had to shoot your film, grab, take, yank the film out of the cameras, get it to the labs, get it in the dark room, get, you know, pick, pick mm-hmm. your print. And the and print the image and and get it off to the uh, to the newsroom to get it to in the in the layout. So it was very exciting times, very very fast, but very exciting. You know, there was never a dull moment in the newspaper business. Now I know you like um, to work in with black and white film. Um, I do, I do and I know very that much. Still, that's like your forte, really. Um, in your book. Stolen Moments, guys. Um, book's called Stolen Moments and um, the Photography of Harold Sherrick. And you can – well, let's give your website out real quick, too. Yeah, it, it's HaroldSherrickPhotography.com. Okay. And uh, there's a so few, there's a few images up there. E-R-R-I-C-K. And uh, there's there's a few images up now, but there's a, the website is pretty self-explanatory. And if people are interested in prints – or if they're interested in buying a book, it's all up there. And, uh, you know, I have a lot. There's not a lot up on the site uh, in, at the moment, but there is some prints up. And if anybody's interested in anything else, you know, there's a, I think there's a 
there should be a thing on there where people can inquire about something or ask me something if I've yeah. shot anybody in particular that they're looking for, you know, cause I've, you know, it's, it's, I have quite a large archive, but obviously you can't put everything and up on a site. You, oh no, no, no. I know. And I know you're working on uh, a new project. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Give our listeners yeah, a little idea I'm, of what I'm, you're doing. I'm, yeah, I'm partnering with, uh, with another uh, author. Um, and actually he was, uh, he was the original, um, the original, uh, how, would, how would you say it, the original owner or the original uh, person that started uh, TMQ, which is Trademark Equality, which was the first uh, official bootleg record label that uh, was started mm-hmm. in Los Angeles in uh, 1969. And uh, we're actually telling the, the actual true story of, of how that came to be and what it was like through the uh, through 1969 to 1976. Uh, and and wow. all the records that that were released and and the stories behind them, how they were done, how they were recorded, you know, how the tapes were acquired, you know, on various things. And it's quite a it's quite a, uh, a it has tw- many twists and turns, and it's very it's a lot of fun, oh, very exciting, a lot of people involved. Um, and yeah, I mean that's really about all I can say right now. But it's going to be fully illustrated because uh, the, a lot of the covers were done. Uh, by a well-known artist, which is, uh, his name was um, William Stout, or Bill Stout, and mm-hmm. he's actually fairly, fairly well-known now. He's, um, he's a pretty renowned artist now, but he did a lot of the early covers uh, for TMQ, which was stuff of the, uh, he did illustrations of the Rolling Stones, The Who, Led Zeppelin, uh, Grateful Dead, The Beatles, and, uh, and uh, they're quite interesting, a lot of fun. And I'm sure people that remember the bootlegs and bought them would remember those covers. And um, oh, those yeah, are going to be no, featured. Uh, those are going to be featured in the books. I mean, in the book. And um, yeah, so that's just a small part, but it's going to have. We're going to have everything. It's going to be the whole history, and the whole the whole story. You know, like I said, from beginning to end. And it's uh, it's quite interesting, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I bet. I bet there's a lot of stories. To be told. A lot of great so stories. We're gonna, when, Unbelievable stories. When, I bet. When and, is that? And the, um, when do you think that's going to be coming out? The book is tentatively uh, going to be released uh, November of this year, November 2020. Uh, oh, but wow. that's always okay. That date is always subject to a little bit of a shift, you know. But we're it's mm-hmm. we're trying to shoot for November of 2020 to have it released, and um, that's very cool. And it's going to be good. Yeah, to, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Oh, no. Be, and I know there's probably great. a lot of people interested in seeing that coming out. Um, you know, in your in your history of uh, taking pictures and shooting, well, actually shooting pictures, you know, and, and gathering and meeting people, you know, what's really interesting is uh, the part where you talked about Phil Spector um, let's touch on that a little bit on your time with him and how that came about. Yeah, my time with Phil came about through um, my good friend David Kessel, who I went to high school with, mm-hmm. in, in Glendale High. Mm-hmm. We went to Glendale High together, so we knew each other since 1969. And uh, there was a time after we graduated, I 
did not see David for several years, but we we uh, reconnected uh, after maybe five, six, seven years later. I can't remember what it was, maybe 1980. And we uh, reconnected and stayed in touch. And then uh, somewhere in like the early, late 80s, early 90s, we, we uh, ran into each other again. And uh, he asked me, he said, uh, you want to come down and um, to shoot Phil, you know, at one of his parties. And I said, I'd love to. And he kind of brought me into this uh, little inner circle, and um, it was um, it was it was great. It was fun. It was um, mm-hmm. met a lot of people. You know, got a lot of interesting photographs. Uh, Phil was very very gracious to me. He was very gracious. On, on, um, unlike people think he is, he was not this. Um, you know, to me, he was not this, you know, out of control person that everybody thought he was. He was very, very nice to me and uh, very generous. And uh, we had a great time. And I respected his privacy and his, uh, his, his, uh, his world. And, uh, and he was equally as good to me. And um, we had some good times. We had some great times every, from, uh, from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to um, shooting all his uh, bowling parties and then his Christmas party. Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted and, to ask uh, about the bowling parties. Tell me about the bowling that. parties were great. Those were great. Mm-hmm. They were done up in, uh, you know, it was up in Montrose, California, just, you know, which is kind of Glendale Annex up in the foothills there. And, um, yeah, he rented a small, uh, There's a, it's still there, I think. I don't know if it's actually open, but there was a small, old, funky old bowling alley that had been there for years. And he used to rent this little small bowling alley at for his parties, and um, and then he would invite. He had a huge guest list of friends, and uh, he would invite everybody, and uh, we would all be up there. And there'd be a you know the old fashioned you know fifties grill there. So he, he was they were grilling hamburgers and hot dogs and French fries and drinks. Oh and, wow! And uh, yeah, and then mm-hmm. the bowling alley was open too. I mean, there was only seven or eight lanes, whatever it was, because it was a real small bowling alley, but. Um, you could bowl and you could eat and everybody was there to socialize. And uh, he hired me to come up and, and hang out and take photos of him with all his, his friends and guests. And uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a blast. It was, uh, it was great. I bet. I it bet. was great. What kind of, who did you meet that you remember meeting that was really Something that like story-wise at the, at the parties. Um, I mean, yeah. at the parties, like Marvin, uh, the old, the uh, famous. Uh, I think he's gone now, but the well-known uh, lawyer Marvin Mitchelson was there. Um, mm-hmm. Humble Harv, the famous KSJ DJ, was a good friend of Phil's. He came. Um, what's his name? Michael Oakes was there. Um, Glenn oh, wow. Burke would show up. Henry Dilts mm-hmm. came. Carney Wilson came. Um, oh, that's the great. guy from what's his name, Stan Ridgeway from Wall of Voodoo, was there at, at a couple of the parties. Mm-hmm. Um, God, there were so many there. Uh, Henry Diltz came one night, one time, and Henry and I have been friends for thirty some years. But he showed up, and and um, trying to think how many there were. So many other people, it's hard to remember everybody. Rodney would show up, of course. Rodney Bangenheimer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, I yeah. There was a whole Rodney. cast of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rodney's great, but there was a whole cast of people. I mean, a whole cast of of different people. It's not it wasn't necessarily all music people. The majority of it was, but there was a few actors and a few mm-hmm. 
people that worked in the biz. Um, Phil Olf, Il, Phil's engineers were there. Larry Larry Levine was there, who did who engineered most all of Phil's recording sessions. He was there. Um, mm-hmm. What's his name? Um, oh, what's his name? The drummer. Um, oh, I can't remember the drummer's name now. The <laughs> I forgot the famous drummer that drummed for Phil. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank now. I can't remember. But the, he's, he just you know passed what? away. I can't even remember, remember his name. either. I forgot his name. Clem. He's very famous. I'm sure, Clem knows. <laughs> yeah, Clem was there. Oh, yeah, Clem was there. But but the drummer that worked for Phil, I'm just drawing a blank, which is so mm-hmm. – I feel so stupid because I, <laughs> because I he was well very well known. I just – I can't bring his name to mind. But he was there and then – Was um, it was it Carmine Apiece? No, no, not Carmine. No, the guy that was part no? of the Wrecking Crew drummers, the famous drummer. Oh, the Wrecking um, Crew. Okay. Yeah, the Wrecking Crew drummer, the old guy. I can't remember his oh, name. I don't okay, know why I can't. Okay. I don't. That's I so don't, crazy. I don't, that that I is just, really funny. But you had, you met a lot name? of people, obviously. There but were a, a lot, lot of people, of people there. there. Yeah, there was a lot of people. And there. Henry's and, and, such a great person. I love Henry. Yes. What a yes, great he guy. Is. Yeah. Yeah, Henry was like yeah, a kid when when he was up there because I took a picture of him and Phil, and when I told him I had a beautiful shot, he just he called me up and he said, "Oh my God, Harold, I'd love a copy of that." And I said, "Absolutely, Phil." <laughs> I mean, Henry That's I said, funny. "Sure enough, no problem." And I, yeah, and I, I I I you know banged out a print for him and brought it over to the house, and he was so grateful and so humble about it. He just loved it. So. Oh yeah. You know, because what? he hadn't been able to get get near Phil for years, you know, and and when he was invited up to that one thing, it was uh, it was a treat for him because he hadn't seen Phil in years and years. So oh really? It was, uh, Funny. Yeah, because it was a, yeah because they worked with Phil in in the '60s with MFQ, which is with his group Modern Folk Quartet. They're the ones that did this could be mm-hmm. the night, which Phil produced, and that's actually that's the theme song for Rodney's radio show he always plays that at the beginning mm-hmm. of the shows or, he, or he, at least he did up until recently maybe but um but yeah so it was uh it was, those were interesting times you know fun times i bet um, i bet yeah you know yeah. who's calling yeah. in um morley's calling in hold on a second morley's call- calling in <laughs> i think okay. he's already calling in is that you Hal Blaine Hello? is the name of the drummer. There he goes. That's it. <laughs> Hal Blaine. That's it, Morley. Yeah. Yeah. Hal okay. Blaine. That's See? absolutely right. Yeah. You know, the Hal brain Blaine. only Thank is you able to listening. Brain is only able, you know what the thing is? The brain is only to retain so much information through the years. It's a computer, and sometimes it takes a while to access that yeah. information because you have so much of yeah. it. That's what happens. <laughs> well, I appreciate the uh, the save there, uh, Morley. <laughs> sure. I, I'm yeah, just calling in to say that I've been a big appreciator of Harold's photography for a long time, and I'm not just saying this because I wrote the foreword and I have a picture in the book, but I want to say <laughs> I watched him be a real photographer, show up with actual uh, an actual camera and not an iPhone. Do you have to understand that this right. is like oh, that's nice. a different process? And so everyone real, is now their real own deal. super iPhone digital processed it's instant almost looks too good and of course the hd high fidelity stuff doesn't make people look too good but what harold does is takes the classic form of photography and reminds you that there are real pictures and that's what i really feel when i'm looking through his books 
Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you, Marley. I appreciate that. Yeah, no. Oh, I just great. wanted to drop oh, in. Great. Yeah, I just wanted to drop in no, and no. say, uh, Harold's got a lot of cool things coming up, too. He's got, I, I don't know, he's got, I, I, maybe I'm not supposed to mention it, but there's talked a about the book. new book. No, 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 and, and we talked about movies. it. Oh, good. Yeah, a lot of cool yeah, things talked about Harold. So. Absolutely. And then, wait a minute, Absolutely. before... You sound like you're ready to fly off the phone, man. You're oh, like, well, I, it's, it's funny. I do jug, I'm juggling a lot, a lot of things, and I want you to be able to talk to Harold, but I'm glad to stay on the phone for a couple minutes no. for sure. Well, just real quick, <laughs> I wanted you to give us your news real quick while we have you on the air because I know that um, you have something really exciting coming up. Besides writing the forward well, in Harold's book, what is it? You have some a, con- a concert coming up. Yeah, there's a couple things coming up. I'll just mention really quick. This Saturday night at the Alex Theater, and Harold actually took pictures uh-huh. of the Wild Honey Orchestra for a long time. He came to the shows once a year. They do a really big show somewhere, and it's been the Alex uh-huh. Theater, and they take bands or records, and they play the entire record, and usually a member or multiple members of that band are the special guests, and there's lots of special guests. And this Saturday night, it's the Love and Spoonful, and three-fourths of the Love and Spoonful will be there to perform for the second time in 30 years. They play. Wow. Uh, and, and, and yeah, that's great. So it's just a really – this. I've watched this organization. The thing I want to say about Wild Honey and Paul Rock, they were like a small indie band where you had 25 or 30 people that would go to their shows. And now they're selling out mm-hmm. 2,000 seat theaters in advance. It's like I, they're like a, like a band that you watch get bigger. Like I remember I watched REM get play open mm-hmm. for my band yeah. Burning Sensations at Wong's West upstairs for 50 people. And then wow. I was in the forum and I was thinking, what are all these people doing in my living room, right? And that's how <laughs> Wild Honey keeps growing every show. It keeps selling more tickets, more people want to get involved, and all of the profits go to the autism think tank, which which really takes care of uh, the medical, it's progressive medical treatments for people with autism, and they're making great headways. So that's where all the money goes. Oh, that's for the great. Show. That what a great, great intention. That's great. And then the last yeah, thing I want to mention. I actually got to jump in a minute, but I did want to say that my old band, Burning Sensations, is partially getting back together for shows this summer. We haven't played in 35 years. We had a song called Bell oh, of wow. Bell that, that was on MTV at 83, and I haven't really seen or talked to these people in a long time. And uh, August, let's see, August 15th in San Diego, we're playing with the Romantics, there's Flock of Seagulls, a lot of your favorite K-Rock flash fat bands are on this bill. Mm-hmm. And that August... Ooh, Harold needs to San go Diego. there and take some pictures. If Harold was here, if Harold was here, he would be taking these pictures. Yeah, yeah, and then, exactly. And then Harold, the last thing I want to mention... So I want yeah, to I would like it too. September 4th, that same show will be at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles, which I'm really excited about. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great venue. Great sounds venue. Like Look, I, I gotta, need to... Sounds like I got to fly into L.A. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be really Yeah, you got to catch some of these if you can. It it may happen again next year because it kind of does the round. So I'm, if it goes well, then we'll be doing it again. But listen, I wanted to say I really appreciate your show, Holly, and I'm going to continue listening, oh, but yeah. I actually have to jump. I actually have to jump. Oh, no, no, Harold, no, go. Call me soon. 
Harold, Morley, I will. Well, thank you, you for back. coming on, Morley. Thank you I so much, Morley. Thank you for your friendship. Work, man. I'll talk to you soon, man. Talk, talk to you soon, Morley. Thank, thank you, man. So Thanks. Thank you, Morley. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye. He's so funny. I've I've known <laughs> yeah, him for is. years. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so funny. You, I yeah. think we, I think we spoke about him before. Yeah, I've. I, oh gosh, I took him. I took him to his first Marillion concert. Wow. And we went and we saw Marillion. Yeah, together and. Um, I shot them. Pretty, I shot them in nineteen ninety. I shot them in ninety at the Palace in Hollywood. You did. Wow! Yeah, I did. I'm Brilliant, a, and it was right after the original. The original lead vocalist Marvel? had left, and they had that new. The new one was Fish. Is that his name? Fish. Fish. fish no, Fish left, and Steve Hogarth took over. Because I used to maybe work, okay. I was, that's who it was. I was. Yeah, I um, yeah, absolutely. I probably was at that gig when you shot those pictures. Oh, okay. That's funny. Okay. Yeah, I'm a huge yeah. Marillion fan. That oh, okay. is funny. Okay. Oh, yeah, got wow. some great photos yeah, prog- that night. Great photos. I love prog rock. Prog rock is something that really, you know, is part of my life. Yeah, like they say, Marillion is a way of life, right? So, wow. Yeah, you okay. shot Marillion. How cool is that? Yes, I did. So I did. I got some beautiful things, should, yeah. Did you? We should talk. That's awesome. Yeah. I would love to see oh, yeah. that. Yeah, got some great color transparencies, I really and I shot see. a lot of black and white. Yeah, I shot a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yes, I wow. did. Wow. Yeah, I took, I took him to his first Marillion concert, and he was like, "Oh my God, I have to see them again." And I um, can even tell yeah. you who opened for them. Do you remember who opened oh, for who them? Oh, was it? It was well, Flies on Fire. One. Flies on oh, Fire opened for him in L.A. You were at that one. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Isn't that something? Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that you know, they're they're and and you know, it's such dramatic. it's real theatrical on stage. I mean everything is very yeah. theatrical. Um Right. Yeah, it's real good. Very, very, very good. Wow. I mean, you know, yeah. some of the other people that you've shot too, I'm looking at the list of all the different people and the, the different things, Joni Mitchell, Iggy Pop, ACDC. You shot the Ramones too. Um, I only shot I only shot Marky. I was at the Ramones show at the Palace, um, but I didn't was mm-hmm. unable to shoot them. But I was I had a backstage pass and I was there for the band. But uh, I only shot Marky really. That's the shot that's in the book, which is just Marky with Phil. Yeah. So I wasn't able that's to. That's cool. Uh, now, what did you do with uh, um, Iggy Pop? Where did you shoot him at? Iggy Pop was at the Palace also, and it was the American Caesar tour um, mm-hmm. that I shot in 93, I think it was. Um, is there a shot of him in the book? I can't remember. Maybe there is. I can't remember. There is. Uh, <laughs> oh, there is? There okay. is. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he was so wild cool. that night. Yeah, he was wild. In fact, I, I shot him and... Anthony Kiedis was standing right next to me as I was shooting, if I recall this story. And he was, you could tell was that he Anthony? was, oh. he was, 
Yeah, Anthony Kiedis was standing right next to me watching, and he was actually studying Iggy. You could tell that he was really watching Iggy's moves and really just taking it all in. Just you know, because I'm I'm sure he was using that as for himself as a as a front man for the you know Mm -hmm. Chili Peppers. So it was pretty funny watching him study Iggy as Iggy was performing. So that was (laughs) that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. What about um, when you worked, when you got some pictures of Neil Young, where did you get those at? Those Neil pictures that are in the book are from the, uh, it was the, um, it was the organ donor awareness benefit show. And it was, and it was done Mm -hmm. for um, Dallas Taylor at the time, because Dallas Taylor had needed a, I think he needed a liver transplant or something at the time. And Mm -hmm. I was at the Santa Monica Civic and um yeah i got the pass to shoot and um neil was like a late addition because the f- first time they called me for the show it was just basically it was just crosby stills and nash don henley and the desert rose band and then mm-hmm. two nights before the show or three or four days before the show they called me and they said neil young's been added and i just went oh my god to myself i said this is sweet yeah so that was an added bonus for me because I've always been a, just a big, big Neil fan, Neil Young fan. And oh, uh, so, did. yeah, going yeah. to the show there, doing that. And then, and of course, Neil, at that time, he just he just upstaged everybody. You know, he just blew everybody out of the water because, mm-hmm. you know, just because of his songwriting and his performing and the way he just, you know, came across. It was just, yeah, it was mind blow time. You know, it was incredible. And uh, those particular shots is, were done right in front of me and on the stage there. And he came up to where I was and stood there for about a good, maybe a good minute, minute and a half, and just pounding that guitar and was able to get mm-hmm. those great, great shots because he was only like three or four, three feet away from me. So it was uh, it was pretty wow. good. It was, it, was, it was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I, I wanted to include I know a those. Lot of your... Sure. No, I know a lot of your images are very candid. Are there a lot of them are candid, and yeah, um, a lot of them are really just spur of the moment, kind of like you said, stolen moments. That's really basically like you had to be there. It's like a moment in time. Um, I know that uh, the cover with Tom Petty on the album, right? Uh, you know, right? That on on the book. Uh, t- right. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that was the, that was when Tom uh, Petty and the Heartbreakers did the. Um, they were on tour for supporting the album, The Last DJ, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what it was called uh, in 2002. And this was that was shot during Thanksgiving weekend at the Forum, and um, with Jackson Brown opening that night for them. But um, mm-hmm. he was uh, that particular show was wonderful because I had shot Tom before that a couple of times before that. And every time that I did go and shoot him in the band, they, he was always very nice to me he, and, and other photographers too, but mm-hmm. I can obviously only speak for myself, but he always went out of his way because I think he really knew what we were doing and he really got what we were doing. And he, he mm-hmm. I think he dug it and he respected it because he allowed us, or I should say he allowed me and particularly this particular show, he allowed it myself. And there was one other photographer there. There was only, which I was kind of shocked. There was only two of us shooting in the pit the whole night. Usually when I wow. shot before, there was a, you know, a dozen photographers and you had to fight for, you know, space to get, you know, to get your shot. But this was only two of us. And he, his assistant came out 
like I think it was five minutes before showtime before he hit the stage and he came up to us in the pit and he told us, he said, Tom said, you guys can stay and shoot the whole night in the pit, you know, go for it. Yeah. He was very gracious to us, you know, because usually, you know, as long as it's been, you know, it's always been a three song limit and they boot you out after first three songs of the set, but he allowed us to stay. And I stayed almost the whole set. The only reason I did leave is because I ran out of film because <laughs> I had shot so much, and and oh, and wow. it was and I was and I was so not that I didn't want to stay because I I could have just stayed and listened, but I was so exhausted because people think just taking pictures, taking pictures, but when you do that and you're doing it for an hour straight, looking through a thing as as you know and stuff, it's it 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 gets. Uh, it can be physically draining, you know. It it's, is. It's, it's it fun. Is. Don't get me wrong. It's, but it's very draining, and you know I was soaked, soaked with sweat because you know you're down there and it's warm and this and 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 your eyes are strained after you know after an hour or so of shooting. You know it's needless to say, but uh, so oh, I ended no, up leaving an hour after the set, but uh, but I got what I wanted and obviously I got the, the right shot that I wanted to use for the cover, which was that one of Tom because he came right up to me and mm-hmm. he stood there for a minute. You know, he always, he always provided the best uh, opportunity for, for us to, uh, to get a great photo of him. He was very accommodating. He was very, very generous. That's awesome. And I have nothing yeah, no, but good things I, to say about him. I love Tom. You know. Yeah. He, his music just lives on, you know, in so many yeah, different and just, I mean, it's kind of like a timeline, you know, there's like so much, I remember certain songs meaning something, you know, just like there's, of there's course. so much and it's just you amazing. Listen to a, you but, listen you to know, a song, you know, whether it's, whether it's Tom or anybody uh-huh. else you like, and you remember what you were doing at the time that when that moment. song came out or when you were hearing yep. it at that moment. It's just, that's what the beauty mm-hmm. of music is. And it's, it's, it's transcends, it transcends time and it does bring back wonderful memories. You know, that's, that's the one yeah. thing that I, I love about it too. You know, especially in a visual I sense, say, I can look back at a picture and remember. So, yeah, no, I've always said the music is like a soundtrack to your life. You know, it really is. It really is. You know, it, it really, uh, really is. You know, you can you can go mm-hmm. all the way back to when you were, and I don't know when certain people started listening, but all the way back to your in grade school almost or junior high school, and you can remember the records that were out in that day in that time period. You can remember what you were listening to on the radio, and uh, that stays with you your whole life usually. You know, and uh, I mean it has with me. They were just wonderful no, times and times that uh times that won't be uh that won't ever happen again, you know, and, and um mm-hmm. but at least we have the music though. You know, we have the we have the great, great music. So Oh yeah, no. Uh, the music is what really stays with us, I think. Um It sure does. I wanted to ask I wanted to ask you, um, when you were um shooting the Bee Gees, uh where where did that happen? That was at uh, that was at Universal at the Universal Amphitheater. Mm-hmm. That was the one to one tour, and that was ba- that was actually the Bee Gees' last, I think, full tour they ever did. They played sporadically wow. after that. You know, they did shows here and there, but they never did a full U.S. tour after. And that's what, that was August of '89, I believe. And um, I was very very glad that I was able to. Uh, to get into that because I was obviously I was a huge fan 
Um, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to photograph the three of them together, you know, because cause who knew, you know, nobody knew at the time that they were not going to fully tour anymore as far as doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just don't know with anybody. And if you have a chance to photograph someone at a time, you know, you take it, you know, or you grab it if you can, because you just never know mm-hmm. what tomorrow is going to bring for anybody, you know. So I was very fortunate and I got some really nice stuff. Um, I got a lot of, a lot of beautiful things of the Bee Gees and, uh, very glad I did. So. Now, you know, I know that you and I spoke before, before the interview about your close relationship with Kim Fowley, who, uh, uh-huh. founded the Runaways. Let's talk a little bit about right, that. Right. Discovered the Runaways. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't. I didn't know Kim then in the seventies, but you know, I met him in the, I can't remember when it was late eighties, early nineties. Um, and then mm-hmm. I worked for him and, and, and worked with him and helped him all the way till, uh, till he passed. Um, but he was quite a character. He was really quite a character. He was a, he was a man who was, um, he was very creative guy, always thinking of, you know, what was around the next corner you know, what song needed to be, you know, to be done, or if he wanted to write a song, always writing lyrics down, uh, you know, production, anything like that. You know, he was always thinking, thinking up some new idea, some new, uh, some new thing to, to bring to, uh, to the public, you know, and he would, he could, he would groom people if he found someone who was a great singer or a band you know, he would he would take charge of these people and say, "Look here, I want you to do this song. I wrote this song for you. It's tailored for you guys. I want to do this." You know, if he liked them enough, he'd take them into a studio and do a couple of demos. I mean, he was very, very a guy very much in control. Um, knew what he mm-hmm. wanted. Um, uh, extremely um, high IQ. Uh, I couldn't believe when I found out how high of an IQ he had. He, um, really? he didn't miss a trick. Yeah, he had a 165 mm-hmm. IQ, which oh, is an wow. extremely high. And he was, he was, I don't like to use the word because it's, you know, I don't, I don't mean to be silly or anything, but I mean, he, he had to have been like genius level because mentally, you know, mm-hmm. thinking because he always, he like didn't a miss savant. a trick. Like a savant. Yeah, yeah a savant. exactly. He did not he miss didn't... a trick with yeah. anything. And you couldn't pull, you couldn't pull the wool over his eyes either. When people would try to come up and con him all the time, he was mm-hmm. always quick to turn around and say, you know what? He'd say, don't hustle the hustler. He'd say, because he said, <laughs> you know, I don't want people, you know, he said, I know what's going on here. He said, you're just a, you know, he said, you're just hustling me. He said, uh, cut it out already. I know, you know, I know what the hell's going on. Oh, that's, thing. He was, that's uh, funny. He was that very quick. Funny. He was he was very, very quick. And um, I used to like to watch him because even when he was had become ill, where he was basically uh, mm-hmm. bedridden or stuck to his bed, the man did not stop working. You know, there no, was always his phone didn't. was always next to his bedside, I and he was always on the phone. His, from the phone in his bed. He, yeah, I yeah. talked to him a couple times. That's he really just, funny. Yeah, oh. yeah. He, he was still making wow. deals and doing stuff, licensing his songs. You know, getting things in movies or TV or whatever. He was always on the phone. Um, you know, and um, 
I mean, that's what it was. He didn't let him, he didn't let cancer uh, get him down and he knew he was in trouble, Mm -hmm. you know, and he was, he was going to the doctor periodically. In fact, I took him to the hospital where he had to do his, his, his treatments or his, uh, I can't remember what they called it, but he had to go in and overnight and they had to do something, some procedure Mm -hmm. is what it was. Yeah. And then he had a very Mm -hmm. painful and he had to do that and then he'd come back and he, you know, he, he kept the cancer at bay for, I'd say he kept it at bay for a good five, six years, maybe, maybe even a little bit longer. I'm not sure, but uh, he um, he knew he had to do that in order to do this. And uh, but he kind of knew that his time was, I think, his time was limited. But he didn't cry about it. You know, he didn't let it get him down. He he accepted. And he made uh, such a great impact on 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 the. He really did make an impact. With mm-hmm. a lot of records, you know, I mean, the first one in 60, Alley Oop, you know, and then with obviously with the Runaways and the Hollywood Stars, and, and, uh, and then he wrote songs, you know, co-wrote songs for Kiss, you know, King of, Kings of the Nighttime World, and mm-hmm. co-wrote Noah's uh, Escape for Alice Cooper from Welcome to, Welcome to My Nightmare. Uh, you know, he did a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. You know, a lot of people just, just equate him with the, the Runaways, you know, and stuff, but there was, there mm-hmm. was so much more to that, you know. He was... Um, there was... He was he was close close friends with Bruce Johnston because they went to school together, uh, high school when they were in the you know in the fifties and he was very close friends with Bobby Hart from Boyce and Hart and he loved Bobby Hart mm-hmm. they were very good friends until the end. Um, yeah, I mean he just you know he knew a host of people worked with a lot of people, and um, he never uh, you know he never you could never get anything past him you know he uh, he was very quick. And uh, he knew what he wanted, and yeah, I don't know what else I can say, say about the guy. But he no, was, no, uh, no, 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 no. He was cutting edge. He was cutting edge. No, no, no. You know. absolutely, absolutely. And I loved talking with him because we were talk. Things he would talk about were just astounding. You know, him as a creative person, he was a human being as well. So we need to remember that too. With a lot exactly. of people, I mean, we just look at people as just like creative objects, but they have, you know, a heart and soul that goes along with that. So your story about Tom Petty, like, you know, Tom actually related to you. So um, you shot a lot of other people, too. I was going to ask you about Joni Mitchell. Tell me about that, the Joni Mitchell. Yeah, Joni was, Joni was just a, I mean, I wish I had really known Joni a little bit better you know I didn't have a you know a friendship with her she was at an event I was shooting and she came it was either a I don't know if it was an AIDS event or some kind of a thing a benefit Mm -hmm. at the uh, amphitheater and there was a we were in the press room in the back and there was a lot of people coming in and out and she showed up because she either had performed or she was just there in support and she came in for a few minutes and we you know talked a little bit and then there was a quick photo call so I was able to, you know, to to blast off a few photos, nice photos of her. Um, mm-hmm. But a uh, big fan of hers anyway. I mean, she just, you know, she, her her early records. Oh, yeah, just, no. You know, just masterpieces, oh, yeah. in my opinion. They were just incredible, you know. And But she was oh, always are. very nice when we saw her. You know, she was very, very nice. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I, I did put that one in there because I just really, I have a lot of... Uh, 
a lot of respect for her and it, it just as an artist you know i just really was a big big fan you know so i wanted to hopefully uh, include something which i was able to do and i included that one image of her in my book what about stevie wonder yeah stevie was at the that was backstage at the um at the universal thing and that was a benefit they did for um it was a, it was a, it wasn't a benefit for Minnie Ripperton, but it was a Minnie Ripperton. I don't know if it was a, a can a benefit for cancer or something because Minnie Ripperton had died of cancer. I think just before that, a few years before that, or something, maybe four or five mm-hmm. years before that. I can't remember. And they did this. Stevie Wonder agreed to do this benefit uh, for her, and uh, I mean, just as a charity thing and her and her name and stuff. So he came and, but we had a little, they had a little press thing in the back before the show and we, they had a little room set up and there was only a half, just a, a handful of people, me and maybe I think four or five other people there. And he did a short little press conference for us and then a photo call. So, and I sat right in the front. So I was there about four feet in front of him and I just took, wow. uh, took several different portraits of him. And Quincy Jones was also there uh, next to him, and I did a, I did a couple cool. of nice photos of him. And then Minnie Ripperton's widow, widower, her her husband was there. So um, she's, uh, in fact, she's uh, Minnie Ripperton's daughter is the actress. What's her name? Maya something, the well-known actress that's on, mm-hmm. I think she's mm-hmm. on Saturday Night Live. Or not, she used to be on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's her, her daughter. Um, I can't remember her last name, but... but um, but Minnie Ripperton was she herself was a was a great great singer, you know, one of the four or five octave Absolutely. singer or something at the time. Yeah, in fact, mm-hmm. she was in an old group before she went solo. She was in a group called Rotary Connection. I remember them way back, way way back. But um, but sadly, yeah, she passed of cancer at a very young age. It was very sad. But, mm-hmm. um, but that was that that was the you know uh, the result of that. That's Wonder cool. Show. No, 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 meaning, you know, getting to shoot Stevie Wonder, because I know I, I've met Stevie a few times, and, you know, it wasn't for any, it was just a social thing, but he's yeah. such a great person, and um, right. I know his daughter is very involved in a lot of the work that he does. Um, you know what I wanted to say was, I know that you and I spoke, um, you know, before we did our interview, and... Um, uh-huh. We were talking a little bit about our uh, friend Jim Marshall, and uh, I know that Amelia Davis just recently did the, uh, um, you know, recently the movie and then the book, and uh, we were talking a little bit about Jim, and you shared with me a little bit about all the different, you know, the Woodstock um, premiere or the Woodstock 40th anniversary. It was, a, it was the 40th anniversary and it was just a gallery mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And we, we were down there. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. And that you sent her that great. photo. So that's great. That's great. She loves the photo. Yeah. Did she? Oh, okay. So good. That'll, good. Glad to yeah, hear it. So that'll stay real. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I've got like to get a, that new book. A memory Jim's new book. I got to get that book because yeah, I've seen yeah. that book advertised now for a while. I've got to get get my hands it's on a copy of that. I've always been a fan of Jim's work. Book. The way the I have way his other books. Shot. Yeah, yeah. I have I have both his other books. I have Trust, and I have the uh, one where he did. She did. She must have. No, he put it out before he died. It was the one, the proof sheet one. I have the proof sheets. That was a great one too. 
And did um, you see the documentary so I yet? I haven't seen it. I'd love to. I'd love to. Is it is oh, it out well, for like? Hopefully, it's out. They were they did they did a short one in in New York, and then they went to oh, London, okay. and they had a big premiere out in London, and then from London they came out. Um, then they went to New York. And I know that a lot of people are really wanting to see this documentary, so hopefully it will be playing in a lot of different places. I know that she's going to be doing some speaking engagements about the different work that she had, you know, worked with him on. So that'll be Uh really cool. Great. But, you know, it's so funny, you know, like a photographer like yourself, when you have somebody that knows your story and is working with you and alongside of you and, and can see the good part, the good days, the bad days, the days where maybe things aren't going really well. You know, it's really interesting to just be able to um, talk about it, you know, and be able to explain a little bit about what's behind the picture. Um, right. You know, like when you shot the picture, now this isn't even a rock and roll legend. Walter Cronkite. Um, tell us a little bit about <laughs> yeah. that. That I want to talk about that. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's. I wanted to just throw something in, kind of like a almost throw a curveball into the thing, and and put mm-hmm. something somebody like him in there because to me, um, he was one of the he was the greatest news anchor we ever had in this country. He was one of the the last mm-hmm. great news you know journalists you know that reported the news every everywhere every from from World War Two up until you know up until past I think in the until the nineteen eighty or whatever it was. But he was mm-hmm. there for all the, the really milestones in the history of our country, the Kennedy assassination, all that stuff, the moonshot, you know. And I'd always mm-hmm. been an admirer of him and, and he, he did a he was doing a signing in, in Pasadena at Romans and I said, I gotta go meet this guy and take his picture. So I went there and uh met him and his wife and, and he was very, very nice and I just took all mm. these photos of him sitting at the table there and he signed a photo for me because again I was a big fan so I had an eight by ten of uh, news type photo of him and he signed it to me and I got his book signed and and uh just talked to him about that and had to share it with him. I said, This is what my father did every night after work when he was home sitting in front of the TV, having dinner, watching the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite, on, you know. Wow. So, I mean, a lot of memories, you know. I mean, just, and like mm-hmm. I said, to me, one of the greatest news anchors there ever was, you know. So I just wanted to toss that picture in there, like I said, just kind of an off-the-wall thing, you know, just not not just a typical music it's thing. I wanted to just put shot. somebody like that. So I just thought, well, let's try that. <laughs> And it always kind of seems you know, to get, no, uh, you know, a nice comment or two. So. Oh, no, absolutely. Right. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, so, like, going with your dad to the newsroom and then getting right. the brownie camera and stuff like that, did you always, yeah. were you always visually, like, were you always looking at things visually as you were younger? Did you always really notice, like, that one thing? I I did because I do to this day. I think I have a photographic memory mm-hmm. because um, I can't get pictures and c- certain things when I see certain things out of my head. And from even mm-hmm. from when I was a kid now, I can remember like a street corner. I can remember where my house was when I grew up. 
I can remember the school I went to. I mean, I can detail the, you know, the, the, the street name that was on the corner of the street and what the building was, whatever. I mean, I just have these in my head. I've had it since I was a kid like that. And I've always visualized that. Um, even when I just had a cheap little brownie camera, I always tried to, to make use of what I had, even though it wasn't a great camera, but I tried to compose the shot, you know, the best I could with what I had at the time. Um, and then obviously graduating up and being able to get a, a really good camera years later and then compose my shots. I didn't just aim a camera and shoot like a lot of people do. You know, you, you got to put, especially if you're taking your time and doing something, whether you're shooting a building outside or oh, sure. something that you could, something that, that, allows you to use a little bit of time you know you're not sh you're not shooting something instantaneous like a moving thing or a concert but something where you could take your time and compose properly to get what you want and what you're seeing in your what you're seeing looking at you know and that's what I always tried to do is what what I saw with my eye I wanted to make sure that I could duplicate looking in the viewfinder of my camera um, and most of the time it always worked out you know because I, I envisioned it, and I even thought about it sometimes when I was going to a place to shoot outside. I would always think, think, think about it before I got there, just saying, you know, I want to be prepared for this. So I want oh, to wow. you know, get there and know in it's my head funny. what I want and pick the camera up, <laughs> you know, or if it was a, or if it required a tripod, which it didn't in the early days. I would handheld things and mm -hmm. just shooting. Um, and that's what I did, you know, and then, of course, the anticipation in the early days, you know, when you when mm -hmm. you shot your film and you took your film out and you took it to the lab and then the anticipation of waiting until it was done and then getting it back, getting the proof sheet back from the black and whites or if the color stuff came back or the slides, you know, you could look at your slides and, um, you know, and then getting that shot and the satisfaction that I would have when I saw the shot that I took and I, it was exactly how I envisioned it and pictured it and I got it. So what, you know, I was so, it was so, I was so elated, you know, and so happy that's when you get the shot that you want, you know, you're just, you're, you're, uh, you feel on top of the world. And, uh, oh yeah. No, no, no. I know that. Even live. You know, I mean, even live, counts. you know, yeah, it really does. It Taking really does. But even shooting picture. a concert, which was, which was more mm -hmm. challenging because you had to, you know, you had to move a little bit sometimes or the artist was moving mm -hmm. and you had to move right along with him and you saw something happening, a certain thing that you wanted to get because you knew that these guys don't stand there forever in that position, you know, whether they're playing a, you know, a thing or they're on their knees or they're jumping two feet in the air, you know, you, you, you do your best to, to, to grab those moments, you know, and, uh, and I think you get better at it with time if you're doing it for a long period of time, you know, or if you study the oh, artist no, beforehand, you mm -hmm. know what the artist is going to do. You know, if it's a wild type band that jumps around, like when I shot the who, or if I shot somebody, you, you can, ex you know, you know what to expect by certain vocalists and certain people, because that's their forte. That's what they're doing. You know, it's not, they're not a James mm -hmm. Taylor standing there just singing at the mic where, which is, which is much, much, much easier to shoot, you know, because you don't have to worry about jumping, mm -hmm. somebody jumping from side to side. And, uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just it makes it a challenge, you know, to, to get that shot you want. And, and I was fortunate in a lot of ways. You know, you don't get everything, but, you know, if you work hard enough and, you, you know, you get, you know, you'll get that shot, you'll get what you want, and, and you'll be satisfied, you'll be happy. And, and again, no, I, I've been very fortunate, you know. 
So I can't, mm-hmm. I'm not complaining. Can't complain. It's been a, it's been a fun, a fun 40 years doing this. You know, it's, um, I just, the only person I regret not shooting and I would still love to before he dies, or I hate to say that, but I mean, before he goes is Bob Dylan. I would still like to, to yeah. be able to rattle off a couple of shots of him live and stuff. Dylan, and we'll see. Dylan is a really, yep. He, Dylan is a really uh, interesting subject. I saw, yes, I've is. seen so yes, many pictures of Dylan and uh, getting him at the right moment is just really an interesting thing itself. Especially now. And, you know, I yeah. wanted to, yeah. Oh yeah, totally now. And you know, I wanted yeah. to say, you know, it's so funny when you're taking a picture, it's like the lighting and everything just matters. Like I'm known, I, I love to take photos of, of, of just uh, landscape things. I don't really take a lot of pictures of people. I'm more of a, uh-huh. a landscape or, um, you know, um, a product type shot or something like that. Uh-huh. And lighting right. is so important to me. I'll be driving down, and I mean, I live in one of the most beautiful scenic areas around, you know, vineyards and stuff like that, you know. So sure. the lighting is so important. And I'll be, like, driving down the, a country road, and I'll say, oh, my God, look at the sky. It's turning pink. Oh, it's turning yellow. It's turning gold. Oh, i got to pull over, you know. I said every right, second counts, right. every second counts. So I'm, like, pulling over into a ditch pretty much and, like, just grabbing my camera and taking pictures just because I know it's going to change that in, in like a second, every second. Because, counts. yeah, 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 because the sunset does it's, change. I mean, within within 10 seconds, it can change. And if you don't get oh, what you totally. see at that moment, you, you're going to lose mm-hmm. that particular thing, you know. Um, yeah. Now, it's, do, you, uh, it's, do you do much photography as well as besides just of, um, you know, rock stars and people? Do you do any I do landscape I do landscapes too. I do mm-hmm. landscape a lot. Do you? I go up when I go up to to uh visit my daughter in Maine, that state is so Ooh. beautiful and so old. Yeah. You know. And I take a lot of I've done some beautiful sunsets up there. In fact I should send you a picture of one of my sunsets. But oh, I also do wow. old old buildings, like old churches that are from the eighteenth century or seventeenth century. That oh, are up there that's the old, my favorite thing. Cathedral. The old graveyards, that the old was, burial yards, I take oh, those. Oh yeah. Um I've done oh, tons wow. of those. Tons of those up there and in black and white yet too. So they're just I have some really mm-hmm. interesting things. So I do a lot of that you old know, houses, really old, old homes, you know. So I have plenty funny. of those. Yeah. I have to mention to you a, a friend of mine that um, started out really shooting photography of rock stars, Bruce Springsteen and stuff like that, uh-huh. uh, Frank Stefanko. Um, he oh, is yeah. so yeah. into landscape photography now. Um, I mean, not now, but I mean, it's always been a passion of his, but he does a lot of landscape photography, and especially when he spends a lot of time in Florida, in different areas, uh-huh. it's, it's amazing, you know, how people will go from just pictures of a person and a rock star or just a subject and then go into landscape and make it just so amazing looking. Um, yeah. You cross over yeah, it's, onto uh, that new. Yeah, it's incredible. It's uh, it's it's obviously it's 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 so different compared to shooting, um, 
What's people, that you know, or musicians. I'm sorry, it's me. What are you sorry. doing? Um, no, no, it's okay. What I'm, are you doing? I'm just in the well, kitchen. You, it sounds like um, you're, oh, you are? No, I'm okay. No, I had to walk I down apologize. from my office. No, no, don't apologize. I'm sorry. Oh, it's fine. We, it's I, fine. I extended the show a tiny little bit. Because um, we're closing with a song that um, is a little bit longer, and I wanted—I had so many things that I wanted to know, you know. Um, so I know that you answered a question that I was going to ask you: who you would like to shoot that you haven't shot yet? That before the yeah. the next place. So right. there's one, and then right. I wanted to ask you who. Because this is hard. Because I know I've asked so many photographers this question: Who have you shot that you have a story behind that just was something? Put that teapot away. Um, yeah, no, it's away. <laughs> was it that you shot? Who was it that you shot that you have like a little story behind that just was like a, an aha moment for you? And you want to share oh, that with our oh, listeners? Man. I gotta think I about bet. that for you have a, a lot, split right? second here. There's been a lot of different things like that. I mean, I, well, sure I mean, so. I don't know about aha, but I mean, when I did McCartney, it was, uh, it was. I mean, it was a photo call he did, but it was, it was very quick and stuff. But he, he saw me shooting, and he always did the typical where he winked, and and I got a couple of nice photos of him and Linda. But um, I don't know if you'd call that an aha moment, but that was great, though. He was, you know, his personality and the way he was. He was, you know, the, mm-hmm. the typical charming, you know, ex-Beatle. Um, trying to think who else was who else was that way with me. Um, God, I can't remember. Um, who else? Who else? Um, <laughs> I can't remember. No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm. Um, geez, I'm just it's hard to. It's had so many people, and I'm trying to remember. What now. about what about shooting? What about shooting shooting Jagger? Let's talk about that. Jagger. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear about um, Jagger. I mean, he moves Jagger. around. <laughs> Jagger's Jagger, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> he looks at you and he knows and 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 he just gives you those looks but uh which I'm sure the same as any other photographer, you know, you what you expect from Jagger, you know, he's uh when I shot him a couple of times, I mean with the Stones two or three times, but when I shot him at his movie premiere, it was just a quick thing, you know, he's not he's not accommodating type of thing. He's you know, he wasn't rude, but he wasn't, you know, and it was just a quick kind of a look. And you get this almost puzzled look on his face because he just, he just shoots you a look real quick and you got to get what you got to get, you know, so you, you click the mm-hmm. shutter right away. That's all I can really say about that. I, um, the live stuff is okay. I mean, I got some nice live things of him there with the stones, but, mm-hmm. but I don't know what else I can really say about Jagger, but. No, well, you know, um, you know who I want to ask about because I've spent time with her, Cheryl Crow. What was that like? Cheryl was um, Cheryl was good. Cheryl was, um, I mean, yeah. she was very nice and got some, you know, got some mm-hmm. nice stuff with her. Shot her a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, shot her actually when she first started, when she was nothing. She was opening for the Wallflowers, 
and I got mm-hmm. a great shot of her. It was one of her first gigs and stuff. I just was able to squeeze off one shot before security grabbed me and said, no, you can't take her, you know, which is really stupid in itself. But that's the way it was, unfortunately. But but later on when I shot her, when she came back, and yeah, I got some yeah, I got some nice things with her, some really nice things. She was very – she was nice. Now I think it's a little bit she's, – she's not the same as she was. She had a great band, and it was – really like a nice band now she just comes off to me a little bit too i don't know if you want to say show busy or not but she had a real good rock and roll band you know years and years ago 20 years ago 20 some years ago mm-hmm. um so i don't i personally she really, myself on she really loves her her um fans and honestly she really does love performing and um i think Maybe what you're what you're picking up with the show busy thing is that she just wants to really perform and really give her whole heart now with her music. Um, yeah, that might be the case. You know, you know, that might be the case. But I shot her when she was like, you know, in jeans and a, you know, and a oh yeah, tank top no, and a, totally get that. No, 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 I get that. Yeah, I remember, and it's just so different. And you know, the Bowie shot. Um, let's talk about David real quick. Um, what what yeah. years did you shoot David? I shot him in, what was it, 97, was it? And mm-hmm. then uh, 89 was that shot that's in the book, the one where I took, it was actually a tin machine sound check at the Roxy. Uh-huh. And, I, uh, and they, I was there, but I didn't get in, but we waited outside the side stage door. And there was fans, and the limo was there. And what happened was, is when I got there, there, there was already so many people I couldn't get near enough. So I just thought of a great idea, just off the wall. I said, let me run up the stairs, because there's a set of stairs at the side there, and then a door at the top, but it just looks down. So I got up the very top on the landing, and I literally hung out over the railing with my camera. And when he came out, I shot him, and all the fans were just like converged on the car there. So you only see the back of his head with his blue jacket, but you, but I shot mm-hmm. it because I liked the, uh, the reaction and the look on all his fans' faces when they were like aiming video cameras and sticking pieces of paper for him to autograph. And you could mm-hmm. see his assistant Coco Schwartz was there next to him, who was his assistant all the way, and I think all the way till he died. He was he she was his like right arm, and um, and before he was getting into the car and he was signing things and stuff. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting take on him because like I said, you didn't see his face, but it was him and you knew it was him. And uh, just Mm -hmm. all the fans with their smiles and their, like I said, thrusting their cameras and their autograph, their pens to get, you know, papers to get autographed and things. So that was kind of interesting. You know, no, and the other one was the star. The other one was the star on the Walk of Fame that was, I think that was 2002, I believe that was, and um, with his wife, mm-hmm. Iman. And um, and then the, the black and white one is when he he came to Rockline uh, in, um, in, Universe, at Universal, in Universal City there on Coanga, the Rockline used to have a studio there. And um, that's when Bob Coburn used to do Rockline on, I can't remember what night of the week it was. And uh, he was doing the a little interview and a little thing for Tin Machine's second album. And uh, he came, the whole band came, I think, but he came, drove up in his in his own little, like a Jaguar, an old vintage Jaguar. He was driving, actually, 
drove it, drove right up Coinga, parked up the street, and then walked down to the studio. And we were all there in the front. And as he came in, there was a few fans there with album covers and things. And he stopped for a minute to sign, and I was right there next to him. And I blasted off that one shot where he's signing that cover, and he's just kind of surrounded by fans. Mm-hmm. And I just thought oh, that yeah, was kind of interesting. And it was very quick. I mean, he didn't stick around out there. He was out there for about a minute and a half, mm-hmm. and that was it. But um, but yeah, very no. nice. He was very pleasant we, to everybody. He was very, very charming. Bowie was fun to shoot. I, I can imagine, you know, shooting him and I know now it's like even now the photos that you see from other photographers are just so different um yeah he's changed over the years and he's like a chameleon it's it's funny many people are he constantly reinvented himself yeah yeah I loved it loved it loved it loved it (laughs) <laughs> but you know what I wanted to do to you say to you is thank you so much for being here today, you know, on the show because we're I'm doing a series on photography and trying to get and this is really cool the stolen moments, um, stolen moments the photography of Harold Sherrick you can get that on the website and I believe it's available on Amazon as well. It you is. You can get it as it a paperback and also as a yeah, hardcover. Yeah, it's the same size, but it's just yeah. a paperback. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And yes, but thank you, thank you so much, Holly. It was uh, it was a pleasure being no. on the air and talking about it. Love talking about it. Love telling the stories. It's if I can get anybody else, whether it's someone from the younger generation or my generation, whatever. Any if I can get anybody else interested in photography itself and just the you know the beauty of of taking photos and ca- catching a great moment, I'm always uh, always up for that. Always happy to do that. Exactly. It's a, it's a very, exactly. you know, it's a very, it's a, it's just a precious thing to capture a great moment that's, you know, that won't ever happen again. And that's the beauty of photography. It's, it's, uh, it's almost, it's almost like, you know, time travel, but it's not time travel. It's time travel in reverse. And you're capturing a great mm-hmm. moment, you know, that you can look back on, you know, for years. And uh, that's, that's one, that's the wonderful thing about it. One of the wonderful things. So, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. And we want to thank Morley for calling in. Um, oh yes, please. Thank you yes, so much. Yeah, wonderful. absolutely. And very we're gracious, ending our very show gracious. with a song. Or yeah, no, he is. He's great. High energy, great energy. Um, we're ending our show with a song that you chose called "The Song Is Over" by The Who. It is yes. a a longer song. Why did you choose that song? I just chose it because I thought it would be a nice, uh, kind of a nice, like I said, closer or a nice ending to to this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's got that great feel. Like it's, a, it's like a not so much it's a pretty, goodbye, it's a but pretty just like song. A, it's I like very it. pretty, but it, and it's just talking. It's almost like reflection, you know, a, a reflecting on on what we talked about or what anybody, you know, what somebody was even listening to. You know, the song is over. You know, this is this is. It's just a great memory. It's something to leave someone with, you know, a very, a very beautiful, uh, a very beautiful ending and a, and a beautiful song. No, absolutely. I well, I want to, <laughs> I want to say thank you so much for being here. And um, I've started up my series. I'll be back on on Wednesdays. You can tune in every Wednesday, and then I do my Friday okay. shows with my co-host Spencer Drake. Um, on Fridays, um, and okay. let's see, um, 
what I'd like to say is if you tuned in late, you can check the show out on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio afterwards on demand. We're on iTunes. We're also on um, Instagram, Facebook. I called it Facebook last week. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Facebook and uh, Twitter. Red Velvet Media is, please go follow us because we do have some amazing shows that we do um, bring to the airwaves. And uh, with that, we're going to end our show with The Song is Over by The Who. And I want to thank everyone for listening today. And thank you so much for being here today, Harold. Holly, it was I a pleasure. It. And you were very gracious. Thank yeah. you so much for the opportunity oh, to come no. on and talk about my stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you no, so much. I love it. Are you kidding? Yeah. Awesome. It was great. I love photos. Yeah, it was wonderful. I love rock and yeah. roll. <laughs> so here we oh, guys yeah. go. Have a great have Life. a great wonderful. week what's left of it, guys, and uh make it to Friday and then we'll party on to the weekend, right? So here you guys go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we will. I know. Thank you, Holly. I know. You're welcome.
to Red Velvet Media with Holly Steffi. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.